We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to a Tuesday evening edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday. It is January 5th. Nick Whalen joined, as always, by Rotowire's assistant NBA editor, Alex Barutha. Alex, we got a whole list of topics laid out in front of us that we want to run through. Uh, this will be kind of a, a grab bag episode, for lack of a better term. Um, we'll hit some guys you know, in the early going who have bounced back from slow starts, who have slowed down over the last week. We'll get into some gambling notes. Uh, we'll check in on on some fantasy teams, some best ball teams as well. But I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start with Steph Curry. Um, I, I think you and I both resisted the urge to pile on Curry and the Warriors, at least on social media. I, I've, I've privately done my own piling on. Don't worry about that. Uh, but Curry, <laughs> Curry came out with a 62-point game uh, against Portland on Sunday, uh, a 30-point game in 31 minutes against Sacramento last night. Uh, and suddenly, Alex, the Golden State Warriors find themselves in playoff position. The four and three Golden State Warriors. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody on this team was ever underperforming. Everybody. Um, Curry was underperforming from his percentages. Wiggins and Oubre are obviously underperforming. Though Wiggins has looked a little be- better lately. Um, and Oubre has, you know, only upwards to go. Um, I think getting Draymond back from a team perspective is great for them. I was watching, I mean, obviously I, I went back and watched the 60 point game from Steph. I wasn't watching that live, but last night I was watching, um, you know, the, the Kings game. And I've, I think I've watched the past three, at least recap wise and having Draymond out there is so big for them in terms of ball movement. He's yelling at guys, telling them where to go, where to be, which I think was a constant issue before he got there was people weren't understanding the offense. Curry's never played with guys like this before. And I think having Draymond there, will at least raise their floor just a ton um, because he is, I mean, he's kind of like their floor general more than anyone else on the team. Right. And, and if you look at Draymond's numbers, 
they certainly have not been anything that would indicate that, you know, he's the reason that the Warriors have, I wouldn't say turn it around. We, we need to see a little bit more, but uh, are looking significantly more competent than they were over those first few games, especially those losses uh, to Milwaukee and Brooklyn to begin the year. We need 21 minutes in, in that game last night against Sacramento, five points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals. Um, but you can just tell. Yeah, I, I think you said it well. Like, you know, he's at this point, Draymond's really not much of a threat offensively. He is shooting has really not been uh, a weapon for him since like 2016. But just having, I think we said it on this pod last week, like that level of basketball competency for the Warriors was so low collectively. Uh, and with Draymond, it, it, it's still it's still a little bit low. There are still some holes. That bench obviously is not great. Um, but just having someone who's, you know, in like the, you know, top five percentile in the league of of just like smart basketball players playing alongside Curry really changes everything. And, you know, watching that game against the Kings late last night, I, I just couldn't help but wonder, like, I, I just I really wish Clay Thompson was back because right. I, I don't know that Clay automatically, you know, pushes the, the Warriors into, you know, possible title contention. Uh, but when you look around the league, I mean, how many teams, I guess, other than the Lakers and, and maybe the Clippers who started well, uh, how many teams do you really feel are like, you know, unbeatable in a playoff series? Um, I, I don't. I don't really feel that way at all. I think a lot of the teams that we thought would take some leaps really haven't. You know, there's been some teams that have started slow. I'm, I'm thinking about a team like Dallas that's sitting at three and four. Uh, you know, Milwaukee has looked good, but took that weird loss to the Knicks. They're only four and three. You know, it's it's not crazy to think that adding Clay Thompson to this Warriors team would would make them at least a a dark horse contender in the West. I'm with you on that, and especially like you said, a lot of I mean, a lot of Western Conference teams are underperforming. You have the Kings. If you, I mean, if you think they're underperforming, a lot of people probably wouldn't. But um, you know, the Nuggets have looked pretty bad. Portland's looked pretty bad. Um, you know, Memphis isn't a factor. The Spurs are just you know they're they're two and four. The the West is relatively open. I think under uh, the two LA teams, just for like a second tier, um, you know, of teams. And right now, the second tier is like occupied by Phoenix and Utah, I think. And everyone else is kind of to be determined. Um, and yeah, I think, I think if they did have clay, they would, they would be just as good of a bet to make it into that second tier as any of these other teams. Um, but right now, as it stands right now, as it stands, I mean, they're still looking like a team that may have to go through the, the playing tournament, whether it's a seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seed. Yeah, I, I think that's safe to say. And I also think that's an upgrade based on what we would have said this time last week when they look like right. the worst team in the league, arguably, you know, they, they barely get by the Detroit Pistons uh, and we'll see, you know, I, I think when the Warriors, you know, when their schedule toughens up a little bit, um, they play the Clippers back to back on Wednesday and Friday this week, they're, they're home against Toronto on Sunday. Uh, and then it's Pacers, Nuggets, Suns, Lakers, Spurs, Knicks, Jazz, um, and then a, a few easier games to end the month, but that's a pretty tough stretch. You know, that, that next six games of Clippers, Clippers, Raptors, Pacers, Nuggets, Suns. I, I mean, there's, I, I think they won't be favored in any of those games, right? I mean, maybe at home against Toronto, just based on how they've looked. But for some reason, even though Toronto has three fewer wins than the, than the Warriors, I, I like still consider Toronto to be the better team, if that makes sense. Uh, Yeah. I think so. I think it's actually it's not too far away. I, I don't think Toronto's that far away from from Golden State because I think you know we've kind of to some extent realigned what we think what we think about Pascal Siakam. Oof. I think he's I think he's better than people are giving credit for. I think the pendulum swung too far in the other direction for Siakam, especially since he's so young. Um, I mean, but the top end talent is better on on Golden State in terms of the Curry would be the best player if he mm. did that as a series, right? Toronto versus uh, Golden State right now. Um, you know, Toronto might have the next two, three, four players, depending on how you feel about Draymond. Um, but yeah, I, I think again, the Warriors people, uh, and you know, people are really piling on Curry to an extent that, I mean, we've seen this before from star players, right? Like people love to pile on star players. Like, you know, LeBron, you know, wasn't, you know, is LeBron clutch, right? Like stuff like that before he went to Miami and even, you know, losing that first year in Miami. But and and you mentioned on Twitter, like I I looked up, um, you know, because I know Jordan didn't win early on in his career, right? They had to, you know, kind of uh, realign the team around him. They had to get a new coach. Mm-hmm. 
in Jorgen's first four years, if he, if he, or I guess three years, if you don't count the foot, the, the, the year he broke his foot, the Bulls were 128 and 118 to start Jorgen's career. And he averaged 33 points on 24 shots, five and a half boards, five and a half assists, 2.8 steals and 1.3 blocks. So when people get on Curry and other star players and they're like, well, he's just not a winning player. It's like, I think th- there's a little more to it than like, well, you know, Curry's on the team. They should be a playoff team. Uh, it's like those Jorgen's early Bulls teams. He was playing just as well as Curry's playing right now, essentially, if not better. And they barely made the playoffs and they lost in the first round every year. I think that's fair. I, uh, I, I was taken aback when I initially read that tweet. I will say that. Um, but I, I don't I don't think it's far off. I, I think with Curry, the, the big difference is that, he, you know, he 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 had kind of gotten a pass, I guess, for for the Durant edition, especially. Um, and it was, I mean, if you can get if you can add Kevin Durant to your team, of course, you're going to do it. I, nobody's faulting Curry for that. But I think it was more of like a all right, here's how the other half lives. You know, like you've you've had, you know, arguably the greatest team and the greatest right. supporting cast around you for your entire prime um, and, and not only that, but, you know, the other superstars, you know, that, that people kind of put you in the same category as have, you know, not had anywhere near that. And I, I think the, the most salient example, of course, is LeBron, um, you know, especially in that first Cleveland tenure and then his final year in Cleveland when they make the finals with, you know, basically washed up Kevin Love. And, um, you know, that was the J.R. Smith year uh, against against Curry's Warriors. Um, I, I think it's kind of more of like, a, hey, if you, if you think you're in that category, you have to be able to lead a team by yourself you know you no longer have three hall of famers around you um and obviously curry took that somewhat personally i mean he, he's not the type that's ever going to come out and say that but he he alluded to it after the blazers game that he saw the comments he, he saw him getting you know getting roasted on twitter all weekend leading into that sunday night game um and i was it was cool to see that from curry because like he's he's always the guy who takes the high road in these situations um and he still did to some degree but um it was it was nice to see that he still has that in him. I guess I think most people would 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 have guessed that he did, but you know for Curry to never have a sixty point game in his career is is kind of wild. And I, I think in some ways it does speak to how much talent he's had around him that he's you know never like you know the Warriors were so good for so long that he never like played even long enough into games when he would have a big first half he'd be out early in the fourth quarter and never even had a chance for these type of outings. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's I I just feel like. I mean, he's he's almost 33 now. Like, you're kind of asking a lot for, like, 33-year-old Steph Curry. But also, I think the league is better now. I think the gap between, like, the top, very top-end talent and some of the second-tier talent is smaller than it was, like, when LeBron was carrying teams by himself uh, and stuff like that. Like, we've, we have talked about how, how many just, like, unbelievably bad all-stars there were in, like, the LeBron era. Like the Brad Miller, did Jamal McGlure hey, make an All Star team? Look, yeah, yeah, he made an All Star team. All right, we don't, we didn't need to dig this up. Devin Harris, like, <laughs> he did. You know, and I think the All Star, we're not going to look back in ten years, I, I don't think, and look at these All Stars, you know, that that have been around for the past decade or so, and say like, how can these guys have made an All Star team? Um, I think I think the talent think of the true. league is way higher now. I think that's true. I, I think. You know, if you're talking like the 2018 Cavs, it's more about just where the East was at at that point that, you know, they're I think uh, that was Jason Tatum's rookie year. Right. Like that was the team that they faced in the Eastern Conference Finals was a team that at that point was essentially led by a, a rookie in Tatum. Um, and, you know, that was pre Kemba and all that. So there there are some caveats, of course. But bottom line is, I mean, Curry is back and the league is just so much more fun when he's at this level. I mean, it's it's been a while, uh, obviously not at all last season. Um, and even, you know, Curry was obviously a, a, a huge piece for those Warriors teams at their peak, but, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen Curry have to, to, you know, have nights like he did against Portland and against Sacramento last night since what, like, I, I guess probably like early 2015, 16 around that time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, 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 you're right. It's great to have him back because mm-hmm. he, he is one of those guys who, um, when you, when you see he's on the verge of a big game, you like have to turn, you have to basically yeah. turn the channel on there's you know a handful of guys in the nba who are like that at this point um and he's he's one of them uh, i want to shift gears complete opposite end of the spectrum marvin bagley <laughs> okay i mean this is this is the one of the more kings things that's happened and there have been a lot of uh you know shortcomings for that kings franchise over the last 15 years 
this is absolutely wild. You have players' dads feuding on Twitter. One one guy one dad is trying to get his son traded. The other dad is agreeing that the other son should be traded. Like this is, I I mean, why does this always happen to the Kings? Why why can't it ever be another franchise? That's a good question. And I, if if anyone knew the answers, I'm sure it would it would it wouldn't happen as much. I don't know. Um, this is this is pretty ridiculous. Marvin Bagley has finally played 82 total games in his career. Uh, as of their, I guess, as of last night, um, as of as of Monday's game. Um, yeah, and he's just he's he's playing awful right now. You know, 36 percent from the field. Um, it's like he he's not really contributing like he's getting his, you know, you look at the you look at his game logs and he's basically just getting his 12 and eight like every night. Um, and that's on 12 shots. And I'm not sure how much the rebounding is really helping the team, but. Yeah, for for someone's like dad to come out and demand a trade. I mean, this is what we thought was going to happen with Lonzo Ball, right? Like the LeVar Ball tweeting like trade my right. son, not <laughs> Marvin Bagley. And then, you know, and then De'Aaron Fox's dad also coming in and saying like, yeah, trade Marvin Bagley. <laughs> <Which is laughs> that was that was hilarious. the best part. I mean, like it's not it's not obscene. Like you said, LeVar Ball has kind of blazed the trail with this in the modern era. Like it's not that crazy for players' parents to get someone involved, but for another player's parent to respond, I mean, this is, this is straight out of like middle school when you have parents arguing in the stands because one kid isn't, isn't getting enough minutes. My, my question, and I wrote this in a, in a column today, like what exactly is Bagley's gripe with the Kings? Like he's, he's starting, he missed all of last season due to injury. It's not like they were preventing him from playing. He's playing, you know, North of 25 minutes a game. Maybe he wants to play more than that, but I don't know. Like I, I could have understood it a year or two ago when he was playing behind Bielitsa. That's no longer the case. Like what, what exactly have the Kings done wrong here? I don't know. Uh, maybe he doesn't feel like he's getting the ball where he wants it. Um, you know, I can't, I can't say I've watched a ton of Kings basketball lately, but that would be my only, like every, every player wants more minutes. Right. But at, like you're saying also 26, 27 minutes a game should be enough for you to prove whether or not you're worth playing 30 minutes, or if you're someone who should be playing 20 minutes, like that's kind of the, you're playing some with the starters, you're playing some with the backups. And so it must be some, it must be that. And he probably feels like the team's not utilizing him. Right. But I don't know, like the other players around him are, I think clearly better right now. Like Bielitsa is better than him, I would say. And um, at least, you know, someone who is, uh, he's a better three point shooter. He's more willing to share the ball. I just, I don't know what either party is really supposed to do here, because if you're the Kings, if you trade them, you're going to get close to nothing back, um, at least not even close to like, you know, I mean, it's a sunk asset at this point. Yes. So you want to play him to, to do better, but you're also trying to win. They're just awkwardly stuck between a rebuild and a win now scenario. And Bagley's not really helping them do, <laughs> do either. Uh, they, he's not. Right clearly part of the rebuild anymore because he's looked so bad and he's not helping them win because he's looked so bad. So, and, um, I mean, next year he's, it's the last year of his rookie deal. They have to make a, they have to make a decision relatively soon on what to do with Marvin Bagley. So it's tough. I mean, this was based on who went behind him. It was already an all time disastrous pick. Like this now has potential to go down as like one of the three or four worst draft picks of all time. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking like Sam Bowie level type of stuff. At this point. And I, I think this reminds me a lot of the Jabari Parker situation in Milwaukee. It's like almost identical in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, although I, th- I think, would you agree that Jabari at least showed more? You know, the injuries, you know, oh, I, yeah. I think kind of complicated everything. But like when he was healthy, he was, there were some massive defensive issues. But like, I mean, he was a 20 plus point per game guy. No, Jabari Parker, it, it did come down to the uh, injury problems. And it still is an injury problem for him. Right. Um, when he was in Milwaukee, you know, he played 31 minutes a game, 15 points on 12 shots, five and a half boards, two assists. Like, pretty good numbers. Um, and he was someone who, you know, I know him and Giannis didn't, like, get along, but they were a really, like, they, I think they made sense, you know, next to each other to some extent. But, yeah, Bagley, Bagley is not showing as much as Jabari Parker, which is kind of sad to say. Yeah, well, and meanwhile, Jabari Parker is on the Kings. I, I somehow keep forgetting that. Like, it, it always seemed like as soon as he left Milwaukee, it was like he's eventually going to find his way to the Kings. Um, so I don't maybe he has some advice for Bagley on, on how to handle this situation. But, man, I, at least at least with Bagley, like with Jabari, after the second ACL tear, you kind of knew like, all right, 
you know, it was like nobody was like clamoring for the Bucks to hang on to him, especially when the, I think the Bulls signed him to like that $20 million offer sheet. It was like, you know, fine. If it, if he miraculously never gets hurt again and, and turns into the player we thought he could be out of Duke, you can kind of live with that just because of the cost and all that. But I mean, with Bagley, <clears throat> it's not like he, if they do trade him, he's not coming out of this with two torn ACLs. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, like there's still a chance. I think that in the right, like right situation, he could be good. Uh, the chances of him being anywhere near as good as Luka Doncic or Trey Young or even DeAndre Ayton seem very unlikely at this point. But um, it's just it's just a bad situation. And, and I think you said it like they the Kings, if, if you're the Kings, you'd be like, look, we'll, we'll maybe consider trading you, but we can't trade you right now because what that what would that get us like the 25th pick in the draft? You know, you like you need to play well for a month to to at least prop up your value temporarily before we can even entertain trading you. Right. And like there are times where I, I watch Bagley and, you know, you can see why he was drafted so high. Like he can handle the ball a little bit in transition. He's really long. He's lefty. He has a good kind of hook shot. But he's just I I don't know, man. It He hasn't shown a ton. Like he's not an amazing rebounder. He's like he's a fine rebounder. He's doing almost nothing for you on defense. He shoots a lot of mid rangers. Um, you know, like he's played seven games and has shot. You know, like he's just in floater range a lot. He doesn't get to the rim, doesn't really shoot threes. Like he's he's kind of an awkward player. Um, it just I don't I don't really see what would really I mean, we've seen players, you know, kind of turn their careers around before. But things have gotten off to a, a really tough start for him. The last thing I'll say on this is in college and certainly in high school, he he got by on athleticism alone. He was the most athletic player. He was a you know, volume rebounder at Duke. Uh, great finisher around the rim, mostly because he could just out jump everybody and out second jump everybody. And and he just looks so dominant. I, I think in the NBA, he's I'm not saying he's not skilled, but he's found that you just can't rely on those type of things. Like what? Like, I don't know if he has one thing that he's like a well above average at. Right. You know, like he's he's good at a lot of things. He can handle it. He's long. He can shoot it a little bit. Um, you know, he's not like a horrible rebounder, but I, I don't I don't think he has like one calling card in the NBA. And, and like you said, he, he is kind of a tweener. And even though players like that are, are easier to fit in now, um, like he's not quite a good enough three-point shooter that you have to respect it. And he's not going to break you down one-on-one off the dribble. Um, it, it, it's just, I don't think he like knows the type of player that he needs to be. And, and maybe that'll come. I mean, like you said, he's played essentially one full NBA season at this point. And a lot of that was, you know, coming back after missing two months, playing five games, missing five more games, then playing 10 games. Like it, it's been, it's been convoluted. Um, but it's it's turning into even more disaster uh, for the Kings. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That is why BetMGM has teamed up with Rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six month Rotowire subscription when you placed your first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website. And use promo code ROTO, that's ROTO, R-O-T-O, to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of Rotowire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. I want to go to the New York Knicks and I I mean, is it too early to do a victory lap on RJ Barrett? I've, I've almost been doing like game to game victory <laughs> laps based on how he plays. Um, last night was maybe his magnum opus so far this season. Um, the Knicks are four and three very quietly. And I, I'm extremely skeptical of what that four and three means. Um, but RJ Barrett and, and Julius Randle have become this like, extremely unlikely just stat piling duo that, Unlike in years past, like they they at least seem capable of beating the other bad teams. Where whereas like it, it kind of took a minor miracle for them to win any games over the last couple of years. Like 
the baseline level of competency that Tibbs has brought, especially on defense, they're a top 10 D on the year so far. Um, I honestly, I, I did not have a ton of confidence that, that Tibbs would have him in, have that in him uh, with this group. I didn't either. Uh, I thought this Tibbs Nick situation with the rebuilding roster would be a disaster. Um, it still could be a disaster, you know, we're 10% of the way through the season, regular season, but yeah, RJ Barrett, um, looks improved. I think his shooting is still not great. It fluctuates crazy from night to night. Um, but we know he's a good foul drawer and he's a good rebounder for a guard, which I don't know how much that really matters, but I think Randall, you know, Randall's been the one who's been out of control. Um, he's going to be an all-star if he keeps playing like this. I don't have his numbers up right in front of me, but they've been really good. And, um, yeah, I think, I think having Tibbs there, you, you do know that you're going to get probably the most out of everybody on defense, uh, which, which, which this roster needs because they're not, they're not really a roster built to outscore people. Mm-hmm. So being able to play good defense, um, makes a lot of sense and they kind of have the personnel for it, especially with Mitchell Robinson protecting the rim. I think they've gotten a little lucky to some extent because you look at their numbers, like in terms of where their opponents are shooting and their, their opponents are shooting a ton of threes and they're getting to the rim a ton, um, which is a problem. Like the Knicks just don't give up mid rangers. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, they're, they're playing well so far. Well, lucky for you, I do have Julius Randall's numbers up 22.1 points, 11.4 rebounds, seven and a half assists, um, 0.7 steals, 0.3 blocks, 1.6 threes per game. And he's shooting 51% from the field, 41% from three and 76% at the line. So all those percentages are career highs. Uh, obviously the scoring and the rebounding are also career highs, but I, I think the biggest thing is the assists, right? Like if somebody told you Julius Randle is going to average 22 and 11 this year, you would be like, yeah, and that seems about right. He averaged, he averaged 21 and nine a couple years ago with the Pelicans um, I, I would argue that he is the league's premier good stats, bad team guy at this point. Is, is there anyone else that I'm missing? Um, not, not off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I think he's the guy. He's the guy you want. Um, but the seven and a half assists, I mean, his career high previously was 3.6 with the Lakers in 2016. So, I mean, there, there were some inklings maybe that he had this in him, but not to this level. I mean, we, he, he has one triple double so far this year. I think he's missed three other triple doubles by like two or fewer assists. Um, and you think if he's on a, a team with like even remotely better shooting, um, he probably has two or three triple doubles at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's still, Randall's still relatively young, right? Like he's, we've seen this before where a guy kind of plateaus at some point and then has almost like a second kind of mini mm-hmm. leap. I'm not he's sure. 26. Yeah, I'm not sure this is exactly it for Randall, but I don't know. I mean, Tom Thibodeau has worked magic before. Like, you know, I <laughs> uh, Joe Kim Noah almost won MVP one year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think they're they're. The, I don't think the defense is quite as legitimate as it's looked so far. Again, they're giving up too many shots to the rim and too many shots from three. But they do have good rim protection. So teams will get to the rim, but then they have to deal with Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel. Right. Um, which is, I, I, you know, you don't mind funneling, um, mm-hmm. you don't mind funneling guys to those, uh, to those two. So I, I don't know. I mean, the Kevin Knox has looked not awful. Emmanuel quickly, who recently got back from injury, had a good game, looked good at the, at the end of preseason. So they, they do have some potential. Yeah. Quickly looks like a real find for sure. Late in the first round. The other thing with Randall, uh, I mean, one, he missed his entire rookie season. He got hurt 14 minutes into his first game as a rookie. So that's a setback. And I think it was like a broken leg, you know, not exactly yeah. something that you can, you know, be up and shooting around while you're recovering. His second year is the Kobe retirement tour. An absolute, uh, just an abject disaster for the Lakers. He spends the next two years on terrible Lakers teams before LeBron arrives. One like super random year with the Pelicans. Don't even like I have no memory of that happening at all. Um, and then last year's Knicks were obviously a disaster as well. Like he, I, I guess if you want to make the argument in favor of Randall, it's that he's been in as bad of basketball situations as essentially as anybody could be in since he came into the league. Yeah, this, uh, he actually played with Alfred Payton in new Orleans. Uh, this, this happens sometimes, right. Where, you know, guys just get into bad situations like you, like you mentioned, and, it takes them a while to break out of that because you're under team control for so long. 
And if you have that much potential, even if you've been playing bad, chances are teams will match any sort of like restricted free agency offer that's even remotely like reasonable. And um, so it takes a while. And there is an opportunity when you're like when you're like 26 or 27 to get in a situation that makes the most sense for you and the team that you're on uh, where you can really kind of show what you're able to do. I mean, we should also note that he's playing 38 minutes a game. Uh, yes, he is. And R.J. Barrett, I think, is playing about 38 minutes a game as well. Like Tibbs on brand, right, with his just running guys into the ground. So hopefully this can last. You know, they might the Knicks might be getting a lot of a lot of these wins through just like playing their best players 40 minutes a game. And so we'll see what happens. You know, with, I mean, this is as much of a condensed season as we've seen recently. So when we get to game 50, you know, how are these guys going to be feeling? That's kind of, I think that's another question. Do you think Tibbs even knows it's a condensed season? Like, does he even know it's a 72 game season? I, I don't, it's very possible that he's just been like in the lab all off season and has no idea. Yeah. I mean, I think Tibbs seems like the kind of guy who still like watches video tapes, like in yes. a dark room and is like scribbling stuff on his piece of paper. And then all of a sudden someone knocks on a door and it's like, Tibbs, there's like five minutes till tip off. And he has, he didn't do anything else, you know, the the rest of the time. I would like to imagine he showed up to the, to the opener and was like, where's the fans? Where is everybody? <laughs> what is going on? Hey, NBA fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They're the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform to combine the best elements of daily and season-long fantasy. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. On Owner's Box, users can brand themselves and engage socially on the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. To tip off the NBA season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. Think you got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy GM? Visit ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and make a name for yourself today. I want to touch on Devontae Graham. This is more just like a complaint from me uh, as, okay. as someone who uh, I, I think manages Devontae Graham. That's the new term now this year. Uh, I'm managing him in, in multiple leagues, and, and managing is putting it lightly. Uh, I am I am managing to stay alive while he is going one of ten from the field yeah. every single night. Um, man, I, I'm starting to worry that LaMelo Ball is going to end up taking his spot in the starting lineup. Um, I mean, Graham's minutes have quietly kind of dwindled a little bit over these last few games it was 37 34 35 minutes to start the year uh, and then his last four now it's been 29 25 30 34 uh, like I said he went back to back one of 10 games over the weekend um, he, he doesn't really shoot two pointers anymore he just launches a bunch of threes every game doesn't really make all that many of them uh, although he did he did hit five against the Sixers um, in, in essentially a meaningless game uh, last night but that this is going down as uh, as one of my worst fantasy investments so far this year. I'm with you. Um, I have him. I have him in a couple of leagues. I think mostly best ball, but our our big uh, Rotowire keeper league that we have, I spent a, a little too much for him, but I really didn't think Lamelo Ball would cut into his minutes. And I may have to I may have to pull back my takes on Lamelo Ball not being that good, or at, at least someone not worthy of the Rookie of the Year award because he has. He has looked awesome. Thoroughly outplayed, outplayed Demonte Graham lately. Um, over the past four games, Lamelo is averaging 16 points on 13 shots, uh, five and a half rebounds, 6.3 assists, 2.3 steals, a block, and only two turnovers. Um, I watched the majority of the first uh, 76ers Hornets game um, the other okay. day. And um, I mean, I, I, I enjoy watching the Hornets because I think they're a really fun team, even with how bad Devontae Graham's been playing. And LaMelo Ball, it was like pretty clear that his like um, like his basketball IQ was great. He was, you know, he got really burned on a on a drive by Tobias Harris. I remember like his I don't think his individual defense is that great, 
there's only so much you can do when you're six seven one ninety four. Mm-hmm. But um, his his team defense is a lot better than I thought. He's going to get a lot of steals, jumping passing lanes. He's good on double teams and recovering. Um, and obviously his his passing is is pretty good. Um, I think it's I think his scoring is, you know, I don't think it's going to be this good for the rest of the season. I think he's a little too reliant on um, on floaters. But he's been getting to the line, so I can't I can't complain too much. He's looked great. Yeah, I, I think the two primary differences between he and Lonzo, um, one, and I, I said this last week talking with James, like I, I think he's on another level even than Lonzo as a passer. You know, I, I think Lonzo's a very yeah. good passer. Lonzo's a smart passer. I think LaMelo Ball is, is an elite, you know, potentially like all-time kind of floor awareness type of passer. Like, I, I mean, Lonzo Ball doesn't throw a lot of like fancy, no look, you know, over the shoulder type of passes. Like LaMelo already has like 10 of those already this year. And it takes a certain level of confidence to to throw a pass like that. And the other thing, like you said, is, is the free throws. Uh, Lonzo is, is at it again. I think he has like three free throw attempts in his last five games. Um, and LaMelo only has two games this year in which he hasn't gotten to the line. Um, he, he got there six times against the Sixers in that game you were talking about. I think that was on Saturday. Um, I mean, for any point guard, a, a rookie especially, if you can just get there three to five times a game, that's like really, really good. And for a guy who... You know, I think a lot of people thought would just come in and be launching 30 foot three pointers and, you know, taking floaters from 18 feet, like being able to draw the contact that he has uh, with the game that he has, I, I think is super encouraging. It is. Um, yeah, he can he can draw a lot of follows through kind of like just to some extent trickery, if that makes sense. Right. Um, yeah. And I agree with you. I mean, I think as, as again, as much as I was down in LaMelo Ball, I was pretty certain he'd be a better half court playmaker than Lonzo. Lonzo's a great transition player. Um, he's good bringing the ball up. He's a better three-point shooter than Lamelo at this point. But Lamelo in the half court, he's got he can you know he's, um, he's a better dribbler than Lonzo. Lonzo doesn't just like break people off the dribble as much. And um, Lamelo's just I mean you know he's offensive rebounding too. Like I don't really care too much about defensive rebounding for guards, but he's averaging you know per 36 minutes uh, two and a half offensive rebounds per game, which is great. And again, his steal numbers are great. He's a good shot blocker. I just think he has great, um, he, has, he has just great floor awareness on both sides of the ball. There's some limitations with his shooting and his on-ball defense, like I was mentioning, but just like, it's clear when you're watching the game that he knows exactly what's going on on offense and defense. He knows where to look. Uh, he knows where to be to disrupt people or, you know, take advantage of, of bad defenses. So, um, I, again, like, He's someone who I didn't think would would have a chance to win Rookie of the Year, really, because I didn't think he was going to be that good. Rozier, Devontae Graham was there, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just maybe Devontae Graham's confidence is completely shaken because, you know, Lamella Ball comes in and he just looks just mm-hmm. as good as you or better than you in practice, um, and you're already you already kind of know your spot's going to get taken by him, right. and then you just you're not throwing, but you're you just kind of like your confidence is shook and you're just not playing well. I mean, I, having watched some of those games, he's definitely throwing the ball at the rim. It, it's not a <laughs> shot by any means. Uh, by the way, Wiseman is still the favorite for Rookie of the Year at DraftKings. He's at plus 250. Uh, and then LaMelo and, and Anthony Edwards are both at plus 350. I, I mean, the way LaMelo's going, I, I'm surprised that that's not flipped. Um, I, I think Wiseman, you know, just had a couple, like, like he was, he like looked pretty good in those horrible blowouts. And then everybody just decided that he's awesome. Um, and I, I think he is going to be good, but I, I, I do think, I think LaMelo, based on what we've seen over the last week, and again, if you had asked me this the week before, I probably would have said the opposite, but based on how well ball played in, in the last three or four games for Charlotte, um, I, I think you kind of have to make him the favorite, at least in my mind right now. I mean, we'll, we'll see with Halliburton, you know, that, that wrist injury, um, you know, kind of cut short some of the momentum that he was really starting to build. Um, and if he could stay healthy the rest of the way, I, I think it could end up being a pretty interesting three or even four man race, depending on what you think of Edwards. Yeah. Those four guys have pretty much carved out their own space as the rookie of the year yep. guys right now. And Edwards, I think, you know, I wouldn't bet on Edwards right now. He's plus three fifty. If towns gets ruled out for a huge chunk of time or even for the rest of the year, then I think there's more value on Anthony Edwards. Cause someone eventually maybe will have to score for that wolves team. That's just being blown out every single night. Um, their their net rating is as bad as the Bucks is good. It's it's really not. It's really bad. I think they're they're almost at like minus fourteen per one hundred. It's it's awful. But I'm with you. Like Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, both guys who, you know, have the 
they kind of have that, like, you can tell they understand what's going on on the court on both sides of the ball. And they're, um, you know, Wiseman has shown maybe more raw potential. I don't know, because his athleticism is crazy. Yeah. And he, every once in a while, he makes plays. And so does so does LaMelo Ball. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't say LaMelo Ball doesn't make wild plays, but Wiseman, you know, makes plays that you see. And right. you're just like, I, there, how many other centers in the, in the league are making this play? Yeah. I, I think guys like Doncic, um, and even like Jason Tatum to some degree have just made us forget like how raw most rookies tend to be, you know, like it's, it's okay to just not play well for most of your rookie year. You know, like I think about someone like Kevin Garnett, you know, comparing him to Wiseman, you know, the athlete, the length, like KG was really not good until his what third or fourth year and didn't become like an MVP candidate until a little bit later on. Like Wiseman, it basically came right out of high school. Um, I, I think he looks really good, but um like i don't know i've seen i've seen a couple like low light clips of him of people trying to kind of tamp down some of the excitement which is fair but at the same time i mean i don't know what you expect when the guy played what th- i think two and a half three games at memphis in like terrible against terrible non-conference opponents um and then just gets thrown into the nba you know in the middle of a pandemic uh i, I think wiseman's gonna be just fine i think he will too so you mentioned um having Devontae Graham on some best ball teams. How is that going so far? One, how many best ball teams did you end up fielding uh, and, and which one is looking the best so far? I have five best ball teams. Um, most of them are middle of the pack right now, which I'm fine with in best ball for sure. And it, we're so early into the season. Like I know in our, in, in one of our 14 team leagues, auction leagues that, that you and I are in, I've been fluctuating between like seventh and second all year. Um, so you never know at this point, but yeah, I have one team where I actually managed to draft every single underperforming player in the NBA. Um, huh. in terms of total fantasy points, uh, Deandre Ayton is my third leading guy and he hasn't been playing well. He's averaging 14 and 11 after that, it's Devonte Graham. After that, it's D'Angelo Russell. And then to tell you exactly how bad the team is next is Josh Hart. Uh, so that team is pretty much done. I mean, it has Nurkic on it. It has Will Barton on it. It has Hachimura on it, but unfortunately also has Spencer Dinwiddie on it. So that team, I think that team's probably done. Um, I have Giannis and Middleton, but there's only so much. (laughs) I mean, it's really only so much. Middleton's been awesome so far. Yeah. Um, As usual. Every year I regret, I'm like, why did I not just take him and forget about it and, you know, pencil him in for basically it's 50, 40, 90 and playing 95% of the Bucks games. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Middleton, Middleton and Drew Holiday have looked great for the Bucks. as like a quick aside. Yeah. Um, they've been unbelievable. Very good the last yeah. Um, my other best ball teams, one's in fifth. That's got Tatum, Van Vliet, Fox, Adebayo, Barrett, Siakam, Plumley as kind of the top group. Griffin's also on the team. That's kind of rough, but I also have Josh Jackson. So that's not bad. Um, and uh, I got another team in seventh. That's Westbrook, Curry, Brogdon, Paul George, Siakam. So that's doing okay. Uh, I got one that's Harden, Beal, McCollum, Paul George, Chris Paul, Levert, which I think that one's got some potential. That one's in yeah. fourth right now in the league. And then I have a Lillard, Gobert, Middleton, Booker, Levert one that also has some potential, but I don't think as much as the the one I just rattled off. Yeah, I, as you know, I'm pretty heavily invested excuse me, and Lillard this year. And it's been a little bit of a disappointment so far, um, kind of a slow start in his first couple of games, but, um, you know, still feel pretty good about where he's going. You mentioned McCollum right before we started uh, recording as, you know, his, I wouldn't say it's a breakout for McCollum. I think everybody knows what he's capable of, but I mean, his point totals uh, this season have been you know, even more consistent than usual. Uh, his, his usage rate is way up. You know, he's taken at least 20 shots in, in four of their last five games, taking a ton of threes. Um, and, and you kind of posited that, that maybe McCollum taking on more Lillard still being Damian Lillard, um, is, has maybe led to some of Nurkic's issues early on. And, and I think you could maybe even lump Robert Cummington into that conversation too, who it has been fine. You know, he's still doing what he does on defense, but, um, I don't, I don't think he's taking as many shots or, or kind of helping space the floor as much as people thought he would. Yeah, Covington, Covington's his his I guess his um, overall field goal attempts are very low, which is concerning. Like he's taking six shots a game, four point two threes. But yeah, McCollum, I'm not I'm not gonna say it's a breakout, but I mean he's his his usage is up over three per, exactly three percent compared to last year, 
Uh, he's passing more. You know, he's 5.7 assists. And the main thing right now is he's got almost no turnovers, right? He's He's got 34 assists on the season with only four turnovers. Uh, and he's also taking 11 threes a game with his previous career high being last year of 7.3. So, like, I, I that's if he, you know, he's not going to keep that turnover rate up, but he's always been a low turnover player. Um, he's always been close to a two to one or a three to one assist to turnover ratio. So he's 29. So, you know, he's, he's basically in his prime. So some sort of like, you know, one, uh, standout season wouldn't, wouldn't be shocking, but yeah, he's, he's playing out of his mind right now. And I think, I think that has led to like less shots for Nurkic and less opportunities to touch the ball because a couple seasons ago in 2018, 19, I thought Nurkic was their second best player. I thought it was Lillard and then Nurkic and then McCollum. And I think McCollum has kind of, he's definitely reordered that. And it, I think he's really going out of his way to establish like, no, I am, I am the second best player on this team. I I was just ready to expect that we would get the same Nurkic that we saw in the bubble when <clears throat> I think everybody's expectations were dampened. You know, he was coming off of the broken leg. Um, nobody really knew what was going on. You know, he, he had joined the team a little bit later and then he comes out and plays 33 minutes off the bat and has 18, 9, and 5 with six blocks in his first game back. I mean, in 14 games in the bubble, Nurkic averaged 17 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, one and a half steals, one and a half blocks, um, shot 48% from the field, 80% at the line. I mean, that's that's probably his absolute peak, but uh, the competition level was there. I mean, that this is this is counting the first round series against the Lakers, an extremely difficult opponent. Um, you know, I, I just felt like at that point, he was probably not even 100% back from the broken leg. And, you know, maybe that was, if not, if not sustainable, maybe even a slight level that he had to go up, you know, this coming year. And, you know, the foul trouble has been a contributing factor in some of these games. He had five fouls in 18 minutes against the Warriors on New Year's Day. Um, but he, he has only one game that he's played over 26 minutes and only two games that he's played more than 23 minutes so far. So, like, I mean, in some ways, like, the workload is just the issue. I mean... Those stats that I read off in the bubble, he was averaging closer to 35 minutes a game. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it has to do with the Blazers being pretty bad to start the year. Like the Blazers have been a part of probably just as many blowouts as any other team in the league. Like they had a win that was a 25 point win over the Warriors, but then the other night they lost by 15 to the Warriors, and then they have two more games of their six total that they lost by at least 20 points. So they've only really played two, maybe three competitive games. I mean, they've only played two games where they've been within 14 points. Right. And in those two games, Nurkic played 26 minutes, put up 10 and 12, three assists, one steal. The other game they won by two. He uh, This is against Houston. He played 35 minutes, put up 12, 11 and six with a block. So that's the yeah. kind of Nurkic we're expecting. And so I think, Listen, he hasn't been as good as he was before. There's no question about it. His his percentages are low, especially his, his free throw percentage. He's not getting to the line as much. But with McCollum kind of taking over games and the the Blazers also, I guess, yeah, they're just in blowouts. He's just hasn't seen the minutes. And that has been one of the themes so far this season, uh, fantasy and non-fantasy, is just the amount of blowouts that we've seen and, and teams being on both sides. Um, it's not like you know five yeah. teams are blowing everybody out. It's It's like you said, it's one team blows out one team one night and then you know they play again two nights later and the other team wins in a blowout uh, i think the suns have kind of been victims of this as well uh, or suns fantasy managers i should say have been victims of this um it, it's kind of made it hard to get a read on some of these teams like milwaukee and this has kind of been the case for milwaukee the last few years where they, they just seem to blow out all the bad teams but but even they i mean they got blown out by the knicks at home a couple weeks ago um you know like i i think what was the other one? The Clippers that they were down 50 at halftime to the to the Mavericks. I, yeah. I think most people would still consider the Clippers a top three or four team in the league. It's just been a really weird start to the year. And and it's hard to say if that's because of the COVID stuff, if that's because of no fans, um, the short layoff for some of these teams. I don't know. But uh, I, I would love to see an analysis of, you know, like the the average point differential, you know, now versus the last few years. Yeah, I think. um I think it's a combination of a little bit of everything and um, you know, no fans is tough. I think the the home and homes or the, not the home and homes necessarily, but like the back to backs in the same city, you know, you play one team, it's going to be hard to blow out a team twice. It's, you, you kind of get a feel for 
you know, what the other team did to stop you and you can counter and the other team doesn't get a chance to counter back. Uh, and I think that's part of it. And, you know, I, I mean, for the most part now with like the, the lockdown restrictions, if you, even if you're in, if you're in your home city, if you go on the road to another city, you're not going out. Like part right. of the, part of the thing was previous years, you know, in a normal year, if you went to a city, especially like a city like L.A., Miami, um, you know, stuff like that, New York, you would players would go out and you there's a chance, you know, they party, they get it's a late night for them. <laughs> there's definitely now, a chance. Th- theoretically, there is none of that going on, theoretically. Um, and so I think that gives road teams more of an advantage, not like a pure advantage, but it it, le- it lessens the gap, I guess, between home and road. Um and I think another thing that's not being brought up, like specifically for one team, Toronto Raptors, they're not playing in Toronto. Like I know everyone's yeah. down on the Raptors. I mean, the Raptors have been bad, right? They're minus six points uh, per 100 possessions and non-garbage time. They're they're not good. But they they're play they're going to play probably no home games this year. None. They're going to be in Florida all year. Um, it would be my guess. So, like that's that's another factor I think people are kind of like overlooking, yeah. especially for Toronto. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think in my mind, it was like, well, they they were the team that really seemed to adapt well to the bubble. So they'll just do it again. But I, I think when they're the only team doing it, it's a little bit different. You know, that no no other team is, is facing uh, anything close to that in terms of having to relocate an entire operation. Um, I want to take a look at some of the the title odds. And I was, I was going to ask you, you know, like some of these odds have shifted a little bit. You know, a team like Toronto has fallen down. Uh, the Warriors are now at 100 to 1. Um, but at, at the same time, like we kind of touched on this at the top, I don't, and I'll, I'll let you answer as well, but I, to me, I don't feel that any teams have like really stuck out to me as like, oh, I didn't think that team could win the title, but now I think they can. If anything, it's more just like, I, I just feel better about the Lakers and, and to a slightly lesser extent, the Nets, the Clippers and the Bucks. Like I, I feel more confident now that one of those four teams is winning it than I did before the season started. Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you on that. I think, you know, through how good Philly has looked, they've moved a little bit into that conversation. But I've always thought Philly should have been a part of that conversation as like one of the leaders of tier two. You know, I've never really been like off Philadelphia entirely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the only team that's really jumped in for me, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think the Suns, to some extent, what they're doing, I think is real. I don't think the Suns are like a fake five and two team. Um, you know, I don't think that they're, I'm not sure they will be the fourth, you know, whatever the third best defense and the eighth best offense all year. But I do think they, they look a lot more coherent. Chris Paul being a, you know, kind of a floor general for them, I think raises their, you know, their floor and their ceiling, honestly, because Booker doesn't have to do as much by himself. Um, Aiden hasn't even really had to do anything. I mean, he frankly, he's kind of lost out there sometimes, or he just like can't make his post-ups. Um, I think Phoenix, I think Phoenix is the most legit of any of these teams that have looked better than expected. And right now they're 40 to one to win the title. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bank on them winning the title, but I don't think 40 to one is bad odds. You know, when you have Chris Paul, when you have Deandre Ayton and Devin Booker, um, that's a lot of talent and their, their surrounding talents also really good. They're a very deep team. So I think in terms of like longer shots, I think the Suns, I think appropriately have like emerged as that team. 100% agree with you on that. I, I think if you force me to pick a team outside of the top four that I liked for betting purposes, for sure, the Suns at 40 to one, I, I like them a lot better than, you know, Denver, Dallas, Toronto, Utah, Portland is also at 40 to one Houston's at 50. Uh, I, I think they're clearly the class of of maybe that like second tier. Um, and, and like you said, there's there's some of these teams that you feel like maybe it's an early season mirage. I, I think Atlanta, you know, Orlando, those teams have started to uh, kind of slowly drift back down to earth a little bit. Uh, and even Philadelphia, which has the best record in the league right now, they have really have not played anybody quite yet. I mean, their their season or their schedule so far um, has been very Eastern Conference heavy. I mean, they played Washington, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Raptors the Magic, the Hornets, and the Hornets again. And, you know, they're, they're only lost during that span. Um, trying to figure, which, which game did they lose? Oh, they lost at Cleveland when they when Joel Embiid did not play. So, I don't know. With, with them, like, obviously Philly's a good team. I, I still, I don't feel like they've proved anything quite yet. 
Um, but I'm with you. I, I think Phoenix is real. I, I still think that, you know, ultimately they, they probably don't have quite enough to knock off uh, either of the L.A. teams. Um, and if they were to do that, you know, I, I wouldn't pick them against the Nets or the or the Bucks hypothetically. But I mean, they're deep. And, and really, like you said, it, it's felt effortless. You know, like Aiden hasn't played that well. Booker has. It's not like Booker scoring 35 a night. Uh, it's it's just been a you know, they feel like they've put together a really good one through 12 roster. You know, if somebody's out, they can pull campaign or Javon Carter, you know, up and then he'll give them 15 good minutes. Cam Johnson's looked really good. McCall Bridges is seventh in the NBA in win shares right now. <laughs> he he went he went more than 200 minutes before committing his first turnover of the season in their last game. Yeah, man. You know, I love McCall Bridges. Dude, he's um, awesome. He's so good. He's the real Robert Covington at this point. <laughs> uh, and I think, yeah, I mean, you have coming, you have, you have bridges and you have, uh, Jay Crowder and Chris Paul plays good defense. I mean, they have the yeah. personnel to play good defense and Aiton's a big body. He's gotten better at defense. Um, he's not awful like he was as a rookie. So yeah, man, I, I like the Suns. I like what they're doing right now. You can also get Phoenix at 20 to one to, to win the Western conference, which I guess at that point, if you're, if you're betting the Suns to win something, you might as well just go 40 to one to have them win the title. <laughs> Uh, DraftKings offers one to reach the playoffs bet right now. <laughs> Typically, these are pulled during the season. Uh, sometimes they'll they'll flash some specials up there like this one. The only team available, the New York Knicks. Would you consider the Knicks at six to one to make the playoffs right now? Oh my God, putting me on the spot with this man. Um, you know, at six to one, it's not awful, especially with the play-in, right? Because they only have to be the 10th seed, and then they I, have to I, win a couple games. Right. And I, I'm shocked that this isn't like minus 600 right now, and the Knicks fans <laughs> haven't bet this thing all the way down. I know it feels it feels it, it feels like it could be this it could be like plus you know 450 or something like that, and you'd get a ton of Knicks fans to bite. Yeah. Um, but could they be the 10th seed? Sure. The thing is, almost anybody could be the 10th seed in the in the um, in the right. East right now, except you know maybe Detroit. I think Detroit's out, but Charlotte, I think, looks better than their two and five record. Washington's probably better than their two and five record. Um, everyone else is just kind of in the same like mix. I think with the way that the Raptors have started, they're still a playoff team for me. But I mean, they have to at least be on like the watch list for like, let's check in in three weeks and see if they still have like single digit wins. Um I mean, I, I like Miami, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston, Indiana, uh, which has looked better than expected. And Philadelphia, like those six are still locks to me. I mean, if, if you if you have to find three more teams or maybe even four more teams for the play in, I don't, I don't know how you could say like definitively, like, no, the Chicago Bulls are better than the Knicks. Like, no, I would take the Washington Wizards over the Knicks. Like, this is not a crazy bet only because of the play in scenario. Yeah. And the, I think the play in scenario is probably good for the league. I, the more I think about it, the more I kind of like it. I mean, if you're if the league is trying to, you know, in, increase competitive balance, um, you know, and give smaller market teams a reason to go for star players like before the playing tournament, you know, the Hornets go, going for Gorgon Hayward, really stupid. It probably is still stupid, but yes. being able to be he's good enough and you have a decent enough a team around him, you should be able to be in that 10th seed you know, discussion every year, um, assuming he stays healthy. And so that's just going to end right. up happening. And, you know, I think, I think that's ultimately probably good for the the competitiveness of the league. Cause I don't, you know, I think, I think you still want, you're not opposed to like some teams being like dominant or better than others necessarily, because it creates, it's good for narratives, right? Someone takes down the top team. Everyone loves an underdog story, that sort of a thing. But I don't I we haven't seen it play out yet, obviously, the plan, but I like it. I like the idea so far. OK, we'll end on this. You you said we can cross off the Pistons. I'm with you. They've they've somehow looked like maybe even worse than I thought they would. You know, like, remember last year I was like I was as down as possible on the Hornets and they ended up being like fairly competent. I thought that I might get I might get got by the Pistons this year. No, 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 no. They've been terrible. I, I hate to say it. Blake looks like he's trending toward like another 30 game season. Dude, he's yeah. looked really bad the last couple um, are there any other teams that you're willing to cross off right now? They will not make the playoffs. Minnesota Timberwolves will not make the playoffs. Um, okay. Oklahoma City will not make the playoffs. Other than that? I'm thinking Memphis. I'm thinking about oh, it. Oh, yeah, Memphis. Yeah, Memphis okay. won't make the playoffs. Um, 
And I'm feeling pretty bad about Sacramento. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't Sacramento. It seems like like half of the roster is good and like half like things are kind of going right. But at the same time, they're going horribly wrong. Uh, the Bagley situation, not a great omen. Like, I, I feel like the only way that they make the playoffs is they they like sucker a team into taking Bagley and they get back somebody who can like actually really help them. And I, I have no idea who that would be. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No idea who that would be. Yeah, I, maybe we'll do this week to week. We'll we'll note if there are any more cross-offs. <laughs> but yeah, so right now we've crossed off OKC, Minnesota, and Memphis, uh, and only one cross-off in the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Pistons. W- would you feel any differently if there wasn't a play-in, if it was just the top eight? I don't um, know if I would because it, it's so hard to parse through. Like any of those, any of those other teams could conceivably get the eight. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think right now it's still kind of too early to tell on on a decent. Like the Spurs is still too early to tell, even though yeah. like. I don't know. I, I don't think they're that good. I would maybe consider crossing them off if uh, if there was no plan. I think I would consider crossing off the Bulls if I had to if I had to do one more. Uh, and the Cavs would probably be next on the chopping block. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.